back on my bullshit. Back to back on my bullshit. Matter of fact, that was bullshit. I'm going back to back to back on my bullshit. Do it one time, they gon' think it's luck. Gotta hit him with the repeat. Do it two times, they gon' still doubt. Hey, now I got a three-peat. Gotta flood the streets till they need deep. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast, coming to you from a shared universe podcast studio. I'm Weston. With me, as always, is Lou. My ask is be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at WTFPodNFL. Lou, F-A-B-O-L-O-U-S. I can't believe you threw us back to 93-96 watching the Chicago Bulls and the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Listen, man. That song, if that if that beat, if that, if that like um, if that track doesn't get you hyped, I don't know what does. If especially if you're in our age group, age uh, age group there. Yeah, I, I needed that after not being I'm here ready, for two weeks. Um, I'm ready to run through a wall. Yeah, let's let's do that. So we are back this evening, bringing to a close our our third topic, NFL free agency that we've covered so far. Our intentions are to recap some of the top free agent acquisitions, retentions. Before we slide into our fan-based reaction to winners and losers of the initial waves of free agency. So before we do that, Lou, do you want to give the audience a a quick overview of what our fan-based reactions to winners and losers really entails? Yeah, so pretty much everyone usually does the same thing. Oh, this this team so-and-so is a winner because they got this player and what have you. We're going to spice it up a little bit, all right? We're going to you know, throw, throw a little hot sauce in there. So basically how we're covering it when we do our fan base winners and losers, we're going to act like you, the fan. We're going to try to channel our inner hatred or our inner love for our team and basically tell you why our team, uh, whoever it is that we're going to cover, is winner or losers. So that is how we're going to differentiate ourselves from the rather people that keep on just doing, oh, this team wins, this team loses, and why. Awesome. I had a lot of fun putting it together, so I'm really excited to, to go into it and pretend to be a fan of some of these teams. I hope I don't yell too much. Please don't, because I'm sitting right next to you. Um, everybody's listening to that. Everybody. The people who are listening to this audio yeah, exactly, uh, listeners are yes. not able to see. The one item I want to address is my pink sticker that was given to me by your daughter, Grayson, yes, when we yes. picked you up to bring you over here. She is super sweet. I am proud to wear this, and when we have the video ready, people will know what I'm talking about. And Grayson, if you are listening, Daddy's wearing his as well, too. Yeah, she wrote a little note that says, uh, always play like a champ. So. <laughs> so. All right, so before we get into that fan base segment, let's quickly touch upon the top moves thus far um, in the first few weeks uh, of free agency. So, Lou, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you like a tidal wave here and just spend a few moments talking right. about some names. Let talk- me stretch. Let me stretch. Okay. Talking about the benefits to the team. Um, I want to group some of these people together. So let's start with Kenny Galladay. Okay. I think that's an interesting, interesting individual to start with. Uh, we are based out of New Jersey. He's coming to New Jersey. Regardless of New York giant title, mm-hmm. we know where they play. What's your thoughts? All right, so it's very controversial because a lot of when you talk about the Kenny Galladay signing, a lot of people are going to automatically go to that uh, the deal that he signed. So I'm not going to be talking from a dollar and cents aspect. Here. Please don't, because yeah. we, if we learned anything this off season, it's that dollars and cents is irrelevant. It's fictitious. We watch teams yes. work wonders with their cap scenario. So I'm not worried about anybody's contract. Yeah, the the, the Giants needed more weapons, and I get it. They have Shepard. They have Slayton. Those are nice complimentary weapons, but they needed like an alpha dog 
you know, weapon. Uh, they needed a, you know, a big-time receiver. And I actually think this is a perfect fit. And why do I think it's a perfect fit for the Giants? Pretty much because Kenny Galladay specializes. He's a deep playmaker, deep ball playmaker. He specializes in the contested uh, catches and what have you. And believe it or not, Daniel Jones is one of the deep, best deep ball throwers in the NFL last year. He, he ranked sixth last year in percentage in uh, targets with 61%. So they got something to actually increase Daniel Jones' ability to stretch the field, and they didn't have that before. Yeah, you had Slayton, but you don't have someone to the magnitude of Kenny Galladay. I love the fit there because of Jones' ability to stretch the field, and they got someone that can just go over the go over the top and make those contested catches. I agree. This is, um, and I hope we don't agree this entire time, but I agree here. I think that this is a huge get for the New York Giants and a play that they had to make. If you really look at the wide receiver um, availability from a free agency, free agency standpoint, the top names, franchise tags, they're off the market. To me, this was the number one name after those two individuals were franchise tagged. Um, so he was the best wide receiver available in free agency when it boils down to it. He has big playability. He's a legitimate red zone target. And you just called it out continue to gather weapons for your young quarterback and you are getting your stud running back back this is an awesome addition speaking of awesome additions I love the Curtis Samuel signing by the Washington football team I think he was art while I just said Kenny Galladay was the best wide receiver available after the free agency tags I think Curtis Samuel was the arguably the sexiest free agent wide receiver available due to a ton of upside, explosive playability. When we covered Washington, when we were talking about quarterback needs, when we were doing our QB carousel, we talked about they need to find people that can play closer to the line of scrimmage and have big play um, potential. And he certainly complements Terry McLaurin. I, I just ultimately love what Washington did in this free agency, but specifically give me some thoughts on Curtis Samuel. Yeah, he uh, he's improved year over year in the majority of his stats, and he's a Swiss Army knife. He's going to be able, they're going to line him in the backfield, they're going to line him in the slot, they're going to line him in the boundary. He has some experience with his former coach and Ron Rivera. I like like you said before, he is going to bring a dynamic to that offense, something they you know they never had before. So I do actually like that sign. The NFC East. I guess they were pretty pissed that everyone was making jokes of them last year because they really beefed up their talent-wise this year. Uh, yeah, I look out for Washington football team, and I don't say that um, snarky. Like I say that because I actually mean yeah. that. So I want to talk about two names that I didn't necessarily love their outcome. Will Fuller going to the Miami Dolphins. Big name, sexy name in free agency. We know he has a ton of upside, but to me the upside is is stretching the field. And I don't know how much longer we can continue to have this conversation about I just don't think it's the right offense for him. I don't think it's the right quarterback for him. Um, I think he's I personally think he's going to suffer tremendously in Miami, but I know Miami fans are probably jazzed up that they did get a receiver weapon in free agency, which they sought out to do. Not a Will Fuller fan whatsoever. He has those fantastic games, like two or three games a year. That goes absolutely bonkers, 175 yards, three touchdowns, eight catches. Then he blows out a hammy. He's out three games. Then he comes back. Not a Will Fuller fan whatsoever. The guy can't stay on the field. He does. He's had issues when it comes to drops. He has somewhat stone hands. Uh, don't like that signing. But then again, they really didn't break the bank for him, so it's not a long-term commitment. So I don't see that's an issue. Just don't like the player. Yeah. Don't like the player, don't like the fit um, scheme-wise, and I don't foresee him being in that uniform next year. It's literally what it comes down to for me. 
Um, last name on the wide receiver list. Give me your thoughts on Juju remaining in Pittsburgh. Why? Like, Big Ben is just he, – he is a shell of himself. And I actually think they're, they were trying to phase him out of the offense last year. And the only reason why they brought him back is sheer panic. This is Chase Claypool's team, I, I think, going, for, going to, uh, here on out. I just don't think they're going to be able to find a significant role for Juju Smith-Schuster. Don't, like I said, he needed to move on. He should have moved on to other teams, but he had op, uh, opportunities. You know, the, the Chiefs, the Ravens, I think that was a smart move to do. Uh, don't, like that. don't like them bringing him back. See, I'm going to argue the opposite. I think this is a good move for Pittsburgh, a bad move for Juju. I agree with you. It felt obvious they were trying to phase him out of the offense. But because of who's under center, being a shell of themselves, uh, of himself, they still need that wide receiver who plays close to the line of scrimmage. Chase Claypool is a deep threat. I don't know if that's still Ben's game. So I think they will find out very quickly they need to continue to feed Juju Smith-Schuster the football. What I think this boils down to is why other teams were were testing him and engaging with him. I just don't think the market proved to be what he was hoping. So does he get another opportunity to have another 70, 80 catch season and prove his worth next free agency period when spending might be a little bit more cavalier? But I'll repeat, good move for Pittsburgh, bad move for Juju. I, I think he should have. I think he should have taken less money to go play somewhere else where he might have been, where he might have felt like he was a little bit more welcomed and a little bit more utilized. Interesting. The Ravens actually offered him more money. I, I, that's a that's a little telling for what his belief is on perhaps Lamar Jackson's ability to get him the ball, and what the offense is designed to do. Yeah, so. right. A, a run heavy team, right, and running with the quarterback. Yeah. So. Let's get out of wide receiver um, yeah, free get, agency. Enough of these prima donnas. Let's get to, yeah. Let's get to some of the. The hogs up front. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start us off here. Okay. Trent Williams, retained by San Francisco. Had to do it. Had to do this. He's like a top three offensive tackle. I'll make the same argument you made with, well, I think he's the best left tackle in the NFL. Um, that might be a homer opinion. That, I will say, I'm going to have the same argument you did with Kenny Galladay. Don't talk to me about the contract. I don't care about his age. The man is dominant. We gushed about him and the potential of him being on other teams and what that would actually mean to San Francisco's line, protection of the quarterback. We're going to talk about how important protection of the quarterback might be uh, shortly coming up. Obviously, heavy interest expressed from from Kansas City, Indianapolis. I'm sure a couple other teams sniffed around and said, I can't get to this price tag. But to me, this was the sexiest move that the San Francisco 49ers made this free agency period was bringing him back. And they had to, and they had to pay him what he wanted to be paid. Yeah, outside of Dak Prescott, he was the premier free agent this offseason. So whoever got him was going to basically get – the second best player available in all free agency, and he plays a premier position in left tackle. And he showed last year there was no rust on his game. He fits in this offense perfectly. His ability to really get to the second level, his ability for stretch zone concepts and things of that nature, he's just tailor-made for that Shanahan offense, and that's something they needed to absolutely do. They couldn't let him walk away. They just couldn't. No way. Um, And – it's not often that a left tackle of his caliber even sniffs free agency mm-hmm. in Usually reality. Tagged, yeah. So you have to consider this a win if you're the 49ers front office to be able to bring somebody like him back 
when they promised him, when they acquired him last offseason, that they wouldn't apply the franchise tag to him. So big win for the team, and I don't care what the contract says. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm going to let you talk about this individual, but Corey Lindsley going to the Los Angeles Chargers. Fantastic move. And let me tell you why. Lindsley's the best center of the game. The issues that the Chargers had, obviously, and I'm not just talking about this from a, a sheer standpoint. Oh, he's a fantastic pass blocker. He's a fantastic run blocker. Yeah, he is that, all right? And he has experience dealing with a, an elite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, who Justin Herbert, not saying is Aaron Rodgers, but has some abilities to extend plays, has a gun for an arm, so has some similar playmaking abilities as Rodgers. But what really Corey Lindsay is going to bring to this Chargers offense is his ability to identify a real issue that they had uh, for to make correct protection calls. That was a huge issue for the Chargers last year. Their center, Dan uh, Feeney, had a lot of issues calling out stunts and left and basically resulted in a lot of pressure in the interior of that offense and the offensive line and caused a lot of havoc and, you know, busted plays and what have you. So it's Lindsley's intelligence that I personally think is the is the what makes this such a fantastic signing. The reason being is because he's going to take something off of a second-year quarterback trying to learn another new offense. 100%. He's taking that off his plate. He's going to say, I got this offensive line. You don't have to worry about the slide protections. I'll deal with that. You just go out there and get the ball to the playmakers. This is huge for the Chargers, if you ask me. I, You just hit the nail right on the head. Second-year quarterback who still doesn't know all the nuances of the scheme, still is learning those things on the fly. Somebody of Lindsley's intelligence and skill set is a second pair of eyes for him to call out the protections, to see where the mic is lining up, right? What stunts they're doing. I think this only helps Herbert. Forget the Chargers. This really helps Justin Herbert, and I am a huge fan of this signing for the team. Yeah. I mean, the middle of the offensive line was a, was a wreck last year, just trying to identify things of that nature. So, Les Hog Molly here. Okay. Where do you want to go? I'm going to Kansas City. Let's quickly touch upon Joe Thune and how the fact that perennial Super Bowl contenders just continue to find ways to improve areas of their offense. Do you want me to chime in here? Because I might have a controversial take. All right. Thuni is a fantastic guard. Not arguing that. He's top three. However, if the New England Patriots walk away from a player, there's usually a reason. Name a player that left New England that was equally as good or better than when he left New England. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady. I'm Uh, just kidding. I'm just busting chops. (laughs) Seriously, all kidding aside, I can picture that Joe Thune would return to New England in two years when the Chiefs would trade him back for a fifth rounder or something like that. I think he's fantastic. The Patriot way. Yeah. I just just don't think – I just – I feel like it was an overpayment for him, and I also feel like, listen, if New England's letting you go, usually there's a reason. Yeah. um, I see combinations there. I also think that, you know, he – he played to a certain level. That certain level in this modern-day NFL commands a certain price tag, and New England is not often one to pay that price tag to their own people. It's just the way it boils down. But you heard it here first, folks. In 2023-4-ish, Joe Thune will be back with the New England Patriots. For a fifth round. For a fifth round pick. Yep. All right. We spent enough time on the, the sexy beasts up front, Lou. Let's get back into some – 
some diva island, if you will. I'd love to talk a little bit about some some d- defensive backs. And if you don't mind, I'd love to take the honors around my favorite defensive back. You know, we're we're gonna teeter between cornerbacks and and safeties here. But John Johnson going to the Cleveland Browns. I am still floored that the Rams did not find a way to keep this man. They couldn't. I but you could. Like this year. People just, it's like funny money, dude. They just found ways to do it, and I, the kid is young. He's got a skill set. I know they're high on some people that were behind him that they want to give a shot, that they have cap control over. I get that. But he just went going to the Cleveland Browns. This is a huge addition to that defensive backfield and to that defense. We've seen what their offense can do when they're clicking. You pair a, a a competitive defense with that, the Browns could be scary, man. No, I, I do agree with John Johnson. He was the leader of that defense last year. I'm not saying he was the best player on that defense, but he was a leader. And the reason why I'm saying that, because he was the one that called out the plays. Not Usually a, a middle linebacker does something like that, but no, uh, Brandon Staley entrusted him to do so. So he's very intelligent. He's very good. He's versatile. I get that, but I don't fault the Rams for letting him go. They decided to invest their money more into the pass rush as opposed to a secondary player, which I'm a firm believer you should do. And they also have some other, they also have some other safeties that they like that they drafted early in the second and third rounds that we've identified in the previous. But I do love his game. I, I, I love everything about his game. He can play in the box. He can play you know over the top. So I do love his game. Great grab from the Cleveland Browns. One of these days, Lou, we're going to do a segment where we're going to argue extensively the premium on pass rush over pass coverage. It's a chicken or the egg thing. It is. Um, But you know me. um, You know how much I love my coverage linebackers. You know how much I love my secondary. Uh, To me, that, that makes or breaks the defense. I'm not naive. I know how important the pass rush is. It makes these guys better. But we both agree, huge get for the Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Another huge get that I see out of here that was kind of unexpected. Talk to me about Kyle Fuller, Denver Broncos. Jesus, Bears, what are you doing? Oh, God. What are I, you doing? Ky- no Kyle Fuller, uh, fantastic grab for the Broncos, especially that late in free agency. This guy has experience in Vic Fangio's defense. He basically covered up a huge weakness on that Broncos defense. They let A.J. Bouye leave, and he's going to be able to actually upgrade uh, Bouye's production from last year. Broncos defense is pretty scary now with Fuller in there, and you don't have to worry about learning curve or whatsoever because he has extensive history with Vic Vic Fangio. So fantastic get for them. And they they need more secondary help because they're going to be facing teams like the Chargers and the Chiefs that you can never have too many elite cornerbacks to try to you know, shut down those explosive weapons. Agreed on all accounts. Sticking in Denver, I also think the re-signing first by franchise, then by long-term contract of Justin Simmons was a, a big get for them as well, not letting him walk because all signs were pointing to him getting paid handsomely and more than likely that happening outside of Denver. So when you couple the retention of Justin Simmons and now the addition of Kyle Fuller, they can a pretty dangerous secondary. They can match up with uh, with the elite offenses in the AFC. I agree Especially with that defensive mind in Vic Fangio, yeah. 
I have a couple names on the uh, on the D back list here. I think I only want to cover one more, to be honest with you. And this is going to be a testament to our conversation earlier about Curtis Samuel being an addition to Washington and how I felt Washington was rather aggressive and, and did pr- pretty well for themselves in this free agency period. William Jackson the third. Yes. Yes. Tell me. Tell me about him. Love this signing by. I was going to say the Redskins. That's you know, not PC, but I love this signing by the Washington football team. Now, why do I love this signing? Because William Jackson excels in man coverage, all right? You're going to pair him up with a defensive genius in Ron Rivera. Last year they played more zone. Now they're going to play more man. Basically what this means for the Washington football team, they're going to be able to man up and actually have more exotic blitzes to get to the quarterback. So he, he's going to be able to add an element to a defense that was already scary last year. Yeah. You add in a coverage guy Sticky to guy. that Sticky. defense. Wow. Like, you could already argue prior to this acquisition that Washington's defense was the staple of their football team to begin with. Yes. And now you just add another high-quality young. individual, young I love it. I, I, I'm gushing over what Washington has done in this free agency period. This is a team that took advantage of the market and went out and got themselves even better to compete in a division that is really winnable, yeah. like a really winnable division. All right, so moving out from, from D-backs, let's adjust a little bit to the, the D-line. I'm going to go back to Denver. Loving what Denver's doing. Retaining Shelby Harris. This is big. We talked about this during free agency when we were covering the AFC West that Shelby Harris was a name that they needed to entertain to to keep there. It looks even better when you talk about what they just did in their secondary, and now you're keeping a guy who's solid against the run, creates solid pass rush from the D-tackle position. Um, I love I love that they kept Shelby Harris and didn't let him walk out the door. Yeah, he was an imperative uh, focal point of that defense. You have the Obviously, you have Chubb and um, – Von Miller on the edges, but he's the one that's going to be able to really uh, apply pressure up the middle. And I've been saying this lately uh, more and more often. I actually think pressure up the middle is more imperative than pressure off the edges because pressure off the edges, you can do things for. You can roll out. You can chip with a linebacker, uh, with a, a running back or a tight end. There's ways to scheme that. It's hard to uh, to really scheme against pressure up the middle. So he's going to be able to help continue collapsing that pocket for Denver and also keep the other guys, Chubb and Von Miller, on islands with the tackles. Yep. So let's let's talk about somebody that you and I were fell in love with throughout this entire process and through the majority of last season, coming off a career year for them, heading to a new team, Carl Lawson Carl Lawson going to the New York Jets. Thoughts? Fantastic once again, and I keep on this is all positive news, but trust me, later on this show we'll get negative. He's one of the, he was the for me one of the most underrated pass rushers in the game. I love Carl Lawson, love them coming out of Auburn. He's going to basically be an ideal Leo in uh, the new uh, defense out there in New York. I, th- I thought it was a fantastic get by the Jets, and I th- I think he's he's going to he's going to really shine. I really do. I, he's going to a team that whose head coach specializes in applying pressure with the front four. Lawson is, fan, is a fantastic under-the-radar under the signing there. I agree. Robert Sala, defensive-minded new head coach in, in New York. This is a great chess piece for him. He's going to have a lot of fun moving him around the line and getting creative and creating that pressure. Jet fans, 
tremendous addition to your defense. He's such an athlete. Yeah, tremendous. So let's talk about the head scratcher on the flip side of this. Okay. Trey Hendrickson going to the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't understand that. Why would you let why why would you let Lawson leave and sign an inferior player just from a from like a well, I don't understand why they would sign an inferior player. I get the, the if you just look at it from a stat point, I get it. He had 13 sacks or 13 and a half sacks last year. But from an upward uh, ascension in career, I just don't see Hend- I think Henderson can be one of those guys that is a one and done type of guy. That yeah. he's going to fall off the face of the earth in two years. Lou, this is a head scratcher to me. I like Trey. I do. We talked about him a lot throughout free agency that he had a good fit in other teams. But you literally went and paid a high price tag to replace arguably a, a better, better player, player on your roster. I just don't understand that. And Cincinnati, to me, is an ascending team. And I think they, again, I like Trey Hendrickson. I think he can play the game of football and play it at a high level. I just thought so much more highly of Carl Lawson, and I think this is a step back for their defense versus a step forward. One thing we're forgetting when it comes to Trey Hendrickson, yeah, he had a fantastic year last year with the Saints. Look who was on the other side. Yeah. Of that defensive line. Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan. Yeah. A uh, savage. So now we're saying that he's going to be able to be the primary pass rusher on a Bengals team. I don't team see it. I who, get do, it. who doesn't have anyone else really on a defensive line? No, thank you. Lou, I'm hoping you agree with me on this one. And you know how much I like our disagreements versus our agreements. Bud Dupree, Tennessee Titans. Man, I mean, there's rumblings that he was going to get a one-year deal, $11 million. Coming off injury. Yeah, torn ACL. I like Bud Dupree and all. I actually just don't have the confidence of the Titans identifying a, a pass rusher uh, that can that, that will succeed. They've been throwing everything at the wind to get a pass rusher. We said it before when we were covering them. They're one of the most blitz-heavy teams, but yet they get to the quarterback they're, they rarely get to the quarterback, so there's a there's a disconnect there. You just hope that Vrabel can make this work, but I I, I have some doubts on this signing. I have a lot of doubts. It's a real risk reward. Type I have eighty five million dollars <laughs> worth of doubts over five years on this signing. Again, I I agree. I like Bud Dupree. My issue here is five years for a guy coming off an ACL who uses his athletic ability to his advantage. I don't care who you are, and I know surgeries are different in this day and age. A step might be gone, and that step might be the difference between him being Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh versus what we're probably going to see Bud Dupree looks like in Tennessee. I understand why they did this. I just don't love the move. Well, they're basically we're having the same discussion we did with Trey Hendrickson. They're asking him to be the primary pass rusher. Bud Dupree is a fantastic number two pass rusher when they had T.J. Watt on the other side. Once again, they're relying on Bud Dupree to be able to fill out that number one pass rushing role. I don't know if he can, and we'll see. So we talked about a couple changes. Let's talk about a couple retentions real quick, and I'm coming back to the G-men here. Okay. Leonard Williams. Once again, people will probably think – the Giants got a lot of flack of some of their signings. I – I actually liked everything they did in regards to Leonard Williams and Galladay. As I stated before, interior pressure is perhaps the most coveted thing in the NFL right now. All right? like, I, And I'm not going to repeat myself what I said before. And he played like a man possessed last year when it comes from a sack standpoint, when it comes from a pressure standpoint. 
And one of the knocks on is pretty much his motivation and his character and what have you. He played like a man possessed on a losing team last year. Yep. There was nothing to play for. You could have shut it down. I'm in a contract year. Do I want to get hurt? Huge fan of Leonard Williams. Love the signing. And he they really un, untapped his potential uh, with, with changing him up when he got traded from the Jets to the Giants. I think that was a fa- fantastic move. You had, to, you had to keep him. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. He was reinvigorated getting out of the, the nightmare of what was the Jet organization. Hopefully that changes. Coming to the Giants, um, his game drastically improved over time. Here's the reality. If they didn't franchise him, he was gone. Somebody was going to pay top mm-hmm. dollar for this man based on his performance in 2020. I, I agree with you. I love what the Giants are doing in free agency. Another name we haven't even talked about is Dory Jackson as an addition. The, the philosophy. Get me another corner. Get me another athlete. Like they are, They're pushing chips in. They know they're in a winnable division as well. And to win this division and to be better on defense, it started with this man, Leonard Williams, and it's a huge – a huge retention for, for the G-Men. Yeah, I agree. They are pushing the chips in there uh, because basically what they have to see is Daniel Jones, our guy. That's where you go get Galladay. Worst case scenario, when you got a player like Galladay and Daniel Jones still doesn't improve, guess what happens? Jones isn't our guy. We can move We can move on from him. Yep. All right, cool. Let's talk Speaking about of moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Speaking of moving on, uh, another retention we can talk about here, Shaq Barrett. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you and I were at odds about this when we were talking about free agency. Not that they should bring him back, but were they going to be able to bring him back? Uh, fantastic. The GM of the Buccaneers should all, all already be considered GM of the year for 2021. What he was able to do, getting the hold all his team to come back, that is almost unheard of, especially when a team, when a team wins a Super Bowl. I think there was a stat out there like 40% of the time that they lose significant you know, significant players coming off of that Super Bowl win. The fact that they didn't lose a single person, well, maybe Antonio Brown, but, but, the, fact Irrelevant. That, but the fact that they didn't lose a single per- person from that team and that team all worked together because of the Tom Brady effect, yep. fantastic job of being able to, sing, uh, be able to re-sign David and Barrett. You saw Bruce Arians recently got a tattoo, right? Yes. The Super Bowl. Bruce Arians should get a, a pictorial tattoo of this general manager square in the middle of his back for what he was able to do in this offseason with, again, funny money. You, you hit the nail right in the head. Super Bowl champions, why is it so hard to repeat in this league? Because there's usually mass turnover yeah. after they win. People played at a high level, exceptional years. They go get paid. They've now won the ring. Now it's about the money, all that sort of things. Um, I will give some credit to Tom Brady. I'm sure he was quite influential in convincing some of these people to come back and to work within the means of the general manager. But you also talked about retaining Levante David, another huge retention piece for them. Our argument was it's going to be one or the other. I was siding with Levante David. You were siding with Shaq Barrett. What the hell do we know? They were able to bring both of them back. Yeah, it's also a testament to that coaching staff that usually players – uh, I just got a sense that they wanted to come back to all those coaching, all those coaches. Yeah, I just think it was a good clubhouse. They yeah. want to be part of it. Um, give me your opinion. Do you want to say a word or two on the Packers retaining Aaron Jones? If they took the money that they should have given Corey Lindsley to retain Aaron Jones, awful decision. Yeah. I'm sorry. Why not retain Corey Lindsley? It's pretty much almost a sim- similar contract for an annual per year contract 
But the fact that they use that money to, for Jones as an offensive weapon who will probably be released in two to three years as opposed to an elite center to protect Rodgers, you got you got to give it to the, the offensive center. I agree. Um, I don't love this from Green Bay's perspective. I love it for Aaron uh, Aaron Jones. I think this offense oh, yeah, gives him the opportunity. Yeah, well, outside of getting paid, <laughs> I think this offense gives him the opportunity to recognize a lot of his potential and to have some longevity. Why I don't love it is part of your argument, right? If that was if that we could apply that money to keep Corey Lindsley, we probably should have done that. Let's not forget who's calling plays out there, Matt Lafleur. Let's not. Forget where Matt LaFleur comes from, right? He comes from the understanding that running backs are a dime a dozen, and I can find multiple people that fit my scheme. So this is another one of those scenarios, good for the player, bad for the team, if you ask me. Yep, I totally agree. All right, last combination here, and let's let's start having a little bit more fun. Not that we're not having fun now, but I think we're going to enjoy the, the next segment here. Talk to me about the Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry combination, back to the Pats. I'm going to say this is the only moves I liked from New England that they made. Cam Newton's awful pushing the ball down the field. He's so inaccurate. He's better when he's throwing to the seams in the field, and he had a lot of success in Carolina doing that with uh, Olsen. Now he has two options to target in the middle of the field, I think, and they also have different skill sets between Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. One's more of a possession. The other's more of an explosive tight end. I think they complement each other really nice. This, like I said, this is we're about to see a totally different offense that we've seen in a while when it comes to New England. Like a fantastic signing by New England to get both of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Two okay. best available free agent tight ends, and they got them both. And we know what New England's offense looked like the last time they had two premier tight ends, regardless of who was that mm-hmm. quarterback, right? I think that's what Josh McDaniels is looking for, um, and I think even more so now, it plays directly into the hands as to who they have on under center and who the speculation is that might be under center potentially as we get closer to the draft. Either way, tight ends support that offense, yeah. and I think this was the, the big splash, sexy portion of their free agency Think period. about it, though. Getting two uh, top-tier tight ends is way cheaper than getting a couple of wide receivers. Tight ends are cheaper than wide receivers. Sure are. And so why not get these two, two tight ends are better than the wide receivers they brought in? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think it was a savvy move. Okay. So let's have a little fun. It's now Here we go. our fan reenactment of free agency winners and losers edition. Lou, I'm going to give you the honors. Tell me the team. And before you get into your rant, tell me winners, winner or loser. But also keep in mind we have about probably like 20 minutes left yes okay so i will give you a heads up i did uh i I was classically trained at juilliard so you're gonna love my acting abilities right now but we're gonna start off god this isn't on video right now (laughs) we're gonna start with the i'm a cleveland browns fan all right and we are winners don't look now but here comes the dog pound no more paper bags on our head we can finally hold up our heads high we were this close from beating the Chiefs in Kansas City last year to get to the AFC Championship. Our defense played great, but that was the issue. Our, our defense in 2020 was subpar. The damn Bengals had less, gave up less points per game than we did last year. So we had to do something. What did we do? We went all in our defense. We got a couple upgraded starters and some nice depth. We brought over a pair of secondary players from the NFL's top-rated defense last year, John Johnson and Troy Hill. 
We already discussed John Johnson. Now he's a he's a leader. He's a play call. He was the play caller with the Rams last year. Troy Hill. He's a versatile uh, cornerback. He can play the slot. He can play the boundary. And, and better than anything that we had last year, we beefed up the middle of our defense. We signed Malik Jackson, who's going to be able to provide some interior pressure, and also Andrew Billings helped stuff the run. Now, why we're winners? We have the best offensive line in football. The best running back duo in the NFL. We have a couple of Tigers, the one of the LSU variety, that play wide receiver for us. And finally, a young franchise quarterback to carry us to the promised land? Oh, now we're going into the draft with the mentality that we can draft the best player available instead of drafting for need? Let's talk about our competition, the Bungles. (laughs) Come on, stop it, the Bungles. The Steelers, led by the corpse of Big Ben? (laughs) Forget about that. Okay, I get it, the Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens, they're legit. But we showed last year that we can go toe-to-toe for them. Listen, man, 2021 is a dog pounds years to be crowned the king of the north. Let's go, baby. All right. Exciting time to be a Browns fan. I can't even disagree. I, I, I'm with you if I'm a Browns fan. I'm going to start with a loser. Okay. And I'm going to start as an Indianapolis Colts fan. Why in God's name did we have all of this cap room? We sure as shit are not spending it. I am the first one to be against needless spending, but in a year where really good players are available and teams are in such disarray with their cap situations, we choose to freaking stay. Pat, somebody explain this to me. I don't understand it. I appreciate we brought in Carson Wentz. We made a move at quarterback. We needed to, but that's it. We are so close as a team. How did we not find a way to improve? We are competitive now. Why in God's name is Trent Williams not the starting left tackle on this offense? Paired next to Quentin Nelson. I, for the life of me, can't understand it. Don't give me the we re-signed Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes. Does that make us better? Does that make us a championship team? I live by one school of thought. In the NFL, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And our championship windows are really freaking small. We are going to miss ours. We have to compete in the AFC, which is loaded with talented teams. We are one of them. But we went backwards. We did not go forwards. We had an opportunity to add some players in some places, but we chose to sit on our hands with our thumbs up our ass. I am not thrilled, not even a little bit. Wow. That was dark. As it should be. Yeah. If I'm a Colts fan, I'm super pissed off right now. All right, all right, all right. Good vibes only. All right, I'm going back to another winner. All All right, right. you're getting me down. Debbie Downer over here. Let's talk about the Washington football team, baby. Let's, Let's throw some respect for your reigning NFC champs, baby. You NFC know, East champs, NFC East champs. Yeah, and I'm sorry, NFC East champs. Sorry. I mean, I'm just saying what we're – I'm a little foreshadowing. All right, all right, all right, for, all right. You know, this is the team that lost by a single score to the defending Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, while trotting out a former backup, not even starting quarterback of the St. Louis Battlehawks or the XFL – we lost by a touchdown to the Buccaneers. All right, we're going to address the elephant in the room, this offense. I get it. We were bottom 10 in passing yards. We couldn't move the ball down the field. We had the same amount of passing touchdowns as we did interceptions. A whopping 16. That's one touchdown per game throwing. That's insane. That's almost pretty hard to do. 
You know what this offense needed, though? We needed some life. We needed some energy, some juice. You know what we needed? We needed some magic. That's right. It's magic season, baby. I know he's 38 years old, and last year he was able, but last year he was able to outplay a top-five rookie quarterback whose scouts were drooling over coming out of Alabama. This guy was throwing dimes while trying to see out of his ear hole, out of his helmet. Love him or hate him, he's exciting. I can't wait to see what Terry McLaurin, who, by the way, is the most underrated wide out in the NFL, I'm excited to see what they're going to do together. That wasn't enough? Guess what? We went out and reunited our head coach and one of his favorite Swiss Army Knights in Curtis Samuel. Samuel has steadily been improving year over year, and he will be able to provide that electric yards after the catch dynamic in our offense. Enough about the offense now. Let's get to our bread and butter, our defense. We went out on the other side of the ball and got the best cornerback in free agency this year in William Jackson. Jackson doesn't get enough recognition for being one of the top corners in this league. This guy faced Antonio Brown twice in a season before Antonio Brown went all nuts and didn't allow A.B. to catch a single ball on him in two games. And this is when A.B. was still considered elite. Bringing Jackson over to this team is going to make this defense even more stellar and it's going to allow Riverboat Ron to play more man and do more exotic blitzes. Now, for a recap, let's go over what we did. We addressed our biggest weakness, our passing offense, with two exciting playmakers. We had the best cornerback in free agency, which will change our defensive philosophy, making us even scarier on that side of the ball. And, oh, yeah, we have the best coach in the NFC East. No way Fat Jason Garrett or Joe Judge, who's a Bill Belichick cast-off, and some Italian guy named Nick Sariani is going to outcoach Riverboat Ron in our six matchups. Get out of here. We might not have a team name, but we sure as hell have one hell of a team. God damn, you should be a Washington football I kinda, team fan. I kinda, <laughs> you got I, me convinced. I, yeah, I really did. I feel like I'm missing out. So I'm getting away from the negativity, and I'm going to get into a little positivity here. I'm going to park my car in the Harvard Yard. I'm going all the way up to New England, and the, my Pats are winners. Now, I'll be the first to admit, do I think our moves and acquisitions were the best? No, but we did go out and we addressed needs. After watching our ex-quarterback win the Super Bowl with a new team the first year removed from us while we didn't even sniff the playoffs, you're damn right we went out and we're aggressive in free agency. We just brought in Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. We're going back to our Gronk and Hernandez days when this offense was cooking. I certainly don't necessarily think Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne change our wide receiver dynamic, but they are, in fact, decent additions. While we were out spending more money than we ever have, we brought in people like Matthew Judon, Davin Gacho. These are additions to our team in places of need. We are bringing back people from COVID holdover on our defensive side of our ball. What is more motivated than Bill Belichick spending money? We brought back Kyle Van Noy. Did that not just feel like destiny, like he was meant to be back on this roster? But let me address some negative here. We brought in Jalen Mills. Who the hell is Jalen Mills? I have no idea. That being said, he's a depth piece. Did you hear those additions that I just talked about? Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. And let me get to the crux of this. We're bringing Jimmy G back, baby. That is going to move this <laughs> offense. Let's go. I'm on board for it. 
Now, I know spending money doesn't always equate to wins. We got plenty of those, let me tell you. Have you been watching this Pats team? We are ready. We are motivated. I'm giving us a solid A for effort when we normally sit on the sideline during free agency. We are not complacent. AFC East, look out. Very impressive. I was hoping. Harvard Yacht. Yes, that's what I was hoping you were going to do. I was hoping you were going to do a Boston accent, but I'm not sure how much I could tolerate that awful sound. <laughs> Speaking of awful, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, so let me get this straight. We lost our starting left tackle, our starting guard, our starting running back, our, cor- our cornerback, and we bring back the flaccid arm of Big Ben who struggled mightily down the stretch. And we're expected to be better this year? We're losers this offseason. This is us going all in for an aging quarterback who's literally on his last leg? Don't you dare, by the way, bring up salary cap. I don't want to hear that. The cap is fake. Go ask the Rams, Saints, and Eagles who were in worse shape than us. Why the hell do we bring back Big Ben if we're going to surround him with the worst team? Start, with, start the rebuilding process now. Or be destined for a year of purgatory. Our running backs are Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane. I'm sorry, but a guy named Benny will never be good in the NFL. Zach Banner, he's going to be our starting left tackle. This guy's coming off a major ACL injury, has two starts in his career, and is going to be playing a position he has little to or no experience in playing. But yeah, no worry. Let's throw him out there so he's covering the blind side of our statue of a quarterback. Let's continue down this road of shit, shall we? James Conner, Andrew Villanueva are both not back with the team. Matt Filer went and said peace and went out west to Los Angeles. They had to cut their starting linebacks, our linebackers, Vince Williams and Avery Williamson, and they got in a dispute with their starter cornerback, Steven Nelson, and had to let him go. And this is all going on while other teams in our division are reloading. Oh, no, but we may have some marquee moves. We brought back Tic Tac Smith-Schuster and Tyson Alulalu. That's it. No other significant moves were made to improve a 12-win team who sparred at the end. I fear this is the beginning of the end, guys. Looking around division, the Browns, the Bengals, and Ravens all have young franchise quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks, and we have a signal caller that clearly has diminished skills declining and declining health. Behind him is a young player in Haskins who's flirting with the B label. Not bitch, bust. The bus label. I mean, he got released by his previous team because of his attitude and lack of worth ethic, and now we're expecting him to be someone different over here? Buckle up, Yinzers. This is the beginning of a downfall of an ever. Let's break out those terrible towels and wipe away our tears, because within two years, man, we're going to be the laughingstocks of the AFC North, and we have nothing to show from it. Lou, this is your segment, bro. Yeah, we need to do more. No, I just started crying, bro. <laughs> Listen, Steeler fans, you should cry. This, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into I think a bigger loser than the Steelers right now. I don't like this positivity. I like the negativity that I saw from some of these teams. I will end on a positive note, by the way. But the Bears, the Bears are the biggest losers in this free agency period. You're gonna tease me with the fact that we're going to do everything in our power to get Russell Wilson to be our quarterback, and you give me Andy fucking Dalton? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We started with Bear fans. You will have Russell Wilson as your quarterback. We will give you. We will give them anything you want, and you bring in Andy 
Dalton. Why the hell do we even have Nick Foles on our roster? I have no idea. And that's not even knock on Andy. That's just an testament to how terrible and poorly run this franchise actually is. I mean, we had to franchise tag Allen Robinson for a second consecutive year because he doesn't want to be here and he doesn't want to sign a long-term agreement. He's no dummy. He wants to get paid. He's getting paid top dollar, injury guaranteed. I get why he's sticking around, but he doesn't even want to be here. So now we have a quarterback that shouldn't be here. We have a target that doesn't want to be here. Where is this offensive going? And matter of fact, speaking of people that are here, why are Nagy and Pace still here? They should have been fired in the offseason this past year, but we're going to give them another year, another opportunity to run this franchise into the ground when every team is finding creative ways to restructure players and get under the cap we release Kyle Fuller and you make it okay by bringing in Desmond Trufant? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say right now. That's how much my heart hurts. How can I continue to be a fan of this organization? Can somebody, for the love of God, please explain to me how Damian Williams makes us a better football team? I'll wait. I will continue to wait. Can somebody, anybody, give me an answer? We are poorly managed. We are poorly run. And nobody wants to come play here. I don't even want to go to the games. First of all, I thought you had a stroke in the middle of the thing. I was very nervous the way the look on your face. <laughs> but you I know what? The, the, the Bears are giving their fans some strokes. Weston, give me your hand. Touch my hand. All right. Misery loves company. I can't I'm, wait. I, I'm ready? Can't I, wait. I'm going to join you in this misery. Please. Because I am a lost I lost Vegas. my sticker from Grayson. That's how upset I was. <laughs> I, I am a Las Vegas Raiders fan, and yes, we are losers. Why? What are we doing? What are we? What's our vision? Explain this to me like I'm five years old. Because I have no clue where this team is going. I hated bringing back Rudin. I felt like he was out of touch with the modern day the game. But I was like, hey, let's give it a chance. Maybe you can pull a Dick Ramil and win a Super Bowl after a long hiatus. Three years later. And Johnny Boy is 19 and 29. So for your math wizards out there, that's a 39% winning chance, a winning percentage. That's not good. And we went on the hook with Chucky for seven more years? Jesus Christ. Let's forget about the bad moves our GM. And by GM, by the way, I mean John Gruden because Mike Mayock is nothing but a figurehead at this point. So let's, let's forget about all the bad moves John Gruden's made over the last two years. We're not going to review how we parted away with Amari Cooper and, Ka- and Khalil Mack and then use that draft capital we receive to reach for first-round talent. Now, you guys can't see me, but I'm doing those air quotes when I say talent. That's me being sarcastic because that talent we obtained was Clellan Farrell, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, and Jonathan Abram. And we're also not going to discuss the failed signings of players like Tyrell Williams and LaMarcus Joyner and Bontez Burfecht over the last 18 months. Let's just, let's just touch what we did this offseason. The one thing we had going for us, one thing, was our dominant offensive line. And what did we do this offseason? We pissed it away. We were renting Trent Brown, apparently, from the Patriots because we traded him right back for a fifth-round pick. We traded guard Gabe Jackson to Seattle for a fifth-round pick. We traded center Rodney Hudson to Arizona for a third-rounder. But hey, you know what? 
We locked up Colton Miller. We made him the fifth highest paid offensive tackle out there. Way to go, team. So after we blew up our offensive line and filled it with backup players, what did we do next? The most logical thing you can do, you add a backup running back to the team in Kenyon Drake. Why? He's not going to have anyone to block for him anyway. And we already have Josh Jacobs. Oh, that's right. They're going to use him as a wide receiver. That's a great idea. That's, that's fantastic. So let's re- so to have a recap, they decided to pay a backup running back starter money over continuing to pay their offensive line, who was fantastic. All's not lost, though. We finally added that much-needed speed at the wideout position. And John Brown, way to go. Wake up, Mark Davis. Stop trying to live up to your daddy. You're not him. This isn't the 70s and 80s anymore. The only meaningful signing we had was Yannick Ngakwe. And frankly, I'm not even sure about that because apparently this is where players' careers go when they drop dead. <laughs> the Chiefs have Mahomes, the Chargers have Herbert, and we are stuck with a quarterback who wears eyeliner. All I want, man, is the Raiders to just win, baby. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go out on a high note. Are we comfortable ending with this? Yes, or you, okay. let's end with this. Let's go out on a high note. I got one word for you. K. Shanna freaking man. I got my Shanna hat on. I'm going to the Bay. The 49ers are winners in this free agency period. I already dressed the biggest thing here. Kyle Shanahan's our head coach. What else do we have to worry about? Just give him some players that can walk, talk, breathe, and we're good to go. But let's address the biggest move, the retention of Trent Williams, best left tackle in the league. This dude is wanted for murder when he gets to the second level of a defense and what he does to people. Don't give me the shit about the cap numbers. It's essentially a three-year deal when the cap's going to rise anyway. And plenty of teams can attest to just being able to adjust on a yearly basis. This guy's here to stay. He's going to Can, and he's going to don a 49ers helmet when he does it. We needed to address the quarter, cornerback position. We had five free agents. We bought three of them back, arguably the top three. Jason Verrett coming off a career year. Kwan Williams, the best nickel slot corner in the NFL. And my man, E-Man, Emmanuel Mosley. Do not sleep on this individual. We took an, an ailing D Ford, restructured the contract, gave us some cap room. We brought back DJ Jones, who's an unknown stud in the middle of that defensive line. We talk about pressure from the defensive lineman. This man brings it. He'll stay healthy. We brought back our offensive cog. Juice, baby. Kyle Juszczyk is back with a long-term extension, and we know how Shanahan loves to use that offensive weapon. But here it is. It all culminates at this point in free agency. The cherry on top. We traded out of number 12 up to number three in the draft to grab that quarterback on the future. I don't care who it is. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, McCorkle Jones, Kyle Shanahan is calling the plays in this offense. The talk of the town is we're moving on from the sexiest quarterback to ever live, Jimmy G. But we have put ourselves in position to retain Jimmy as a bridge to sit that rookie quarterback to give them that red shirt year while this team is still in win mode now. And we have ultimately extended the window with cap control 
of a rookie quarterback. I have been a 49ers fan for 32 years. This is the biggest offseason I can remember. 49er fans, stand up, applaud Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, and let's go get number six, baby. Preach, brother man, preach. Damn, Lou, I had a lot of fun doing that, actually. My heart's racing a little bit. Um, I'm glad we're going to go out on a high note. My, my, my heart's racing a little bit, too, for different reasons. I have a high blood pressure. 49er uh, bandwagon's always accepting applications. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. So come on over. Um, so we really appreciate everybody listening tonight. We had a lot of fun putting this show together. We hope you, you like the little uh, tweaks that we put in and, and had a little fun to, to kind of recap free agency. But that's it. We're closing the book on free we agency. We are closing the book on free agency. I am super excited. I've said this multiple times. Lou, it's Christmas season. The next few episodes are going to be dedicated solely to the 2021 NFL draft. We're going to have some surprises on some formats. Let's not give that away yet. We're not. We're not. We got some treats and some gifts for you, so buckle up, baby. Looking forward to it. Appreciate your time, as always. Hope everybody has a good night.